Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. What I love about Shopify is basically how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. I know we use Shopify here at Betches. And honestly, anyone with any kind of business could really benefit from Shopify. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash betches, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash betches now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash betches. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, the podcast where we cover all the pop culture we love to hate, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. I'm looking at you, Jax Taylor. I'm your host, Ryan Bailey.
my mind indeed folks this is so bad it's good with ryan bailey i am ryan bailey this is your tuesday episode uh we have gotten through the hardest day of the week that is always monday and we we sailed right through it folks uh i don't know if you guys had a decent monday but you know what i did i i well i, I mean nothing crazy happened but that's good actually so i drove back in from arizona like i told you yesterday which, by the way, the Sophie Ross uh, Pop Culture Roundup, always on Monday, always a good way to start your week. And also, uh, thank you so much for the people that tell your friends about this podcast. This little thing that we're trying to do here, it really takes word of mouth. So I really appreciate when you share it. And uh, I've always been told I'm like a virus, you know, where it just it kind of sneaks up on you. And then eventually you're like, I, I gotta I gotta keep listening to that guy. Probably not good to make a a virus joke this early on in the podcast. Um, so I, I drove in from Arizona and, um, you know, the, I, I love Bill and Becky Bailey, my parents, but it is funny as, as, as you get older, you're like, I didn't, I didn't see my life turning out this way where I'd be visiting my folks this much where on Friday night, it was, it was like, uh, their, their friend couple, them and me. So it was just the five of us. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not necessarily where I saw myself. Now I had a great time. They, they, uh, this friend group, they make martinis together. Well, the ladies drink wine and the guys make martinis. So I was like the third guy, you know, and there was a lot of jokes. I mean, there's a wealth of knowledge. So you always get good stories, but it's so funny because you notice like these guys have been married each like 50 years, I think. Uh, you know, that's a lot of years in between these two couples. Um, and you could tell, like, they kind of get snappy with each other, both couples, which is always funny because you're just like, wow, look at you guys. Wow. Okay. Okay. This eventually gets, you know, you just, I don't know. Are we necessarily, are we supposed to live with people for, for over 50 years? How does that, you know, you can just, you can tell. I mean, these people know each other like the back of their hands. And it, it's, it cracks me up because it, it, you don't have any language. Like, we don't have knowledge of that for the most part. We just get to see it. Like, the fact that they have spent so many days and nights together, and they spent the entire pandemic together. So that's like, that counts as like three times. Like, the pandemic year... I think counts for like three years. Don't you guys? It felt like some weird, like kind of TV show, like lost or what I imagine purgatory to be like. Um, but it <laughs> cracks me up. Cause you know, this, the, the, you know, my mom and dad are each other's best friends, but it's like, they're the best friends that like, you know, they snap at each other. They get annoyed with each other because of course you would after 50 years. But then I, I was eating dinner with them on, um, Saturday night before I left on Sunday and I was just like I felt like the middleman and I was just like I got this is I love I'm gonna spend so much more time with them in the future I know but uh I was it, it just cracks me up the things that you don't foresee in in life you know I mean my life I was talking to somebody today and I said my life has changed so much from what it was three years ago Three, you know, like I was, I was married. I had a job. I, I mean, like I, I had a nine to five where I was at, at an acting studio, uh, working, teaching, coaching. Uh, I'd go on auditions all the time. I, I, I'd, I'd hike every day. I'd eat a balanced meal. 
I was mad. I mean, just so many things were different than they are now. But also, it's so weird because the pandemic happened, so you can't tell what is, you know, my li- is my life completely changed, or is it, and that's why it kind of feels weird, or is it just that we all went through the pandemic and we all feel weird? It's probably a little bit of both, but it's just very interesting the twists and turns that life take you, life's take you on, and I can't imagine. Three years ago, I would imagine spending this much time with my mom and dad because my sister, she's hanging with her own family. So I'm like the kid, like, I swear to God, I think I remember looking at guys like me when I was a little kid going like, oh my God, I hope I don't wind up like that guy. Like we had this, this guy that lived at the bottom of our street in Olathe, Kansas. His name was George, but we called him Georgie Porgy. And he was old. He was like 20 years old. Like he was an older dude, but he would like, he was living with his parents down at the end of the street and he would come and hang out with my dad. And I think later on I found out they were like smoking weed or whatever, but we called him Georgie Porgy and uh, he had long hair, beard, mustache, nice guy. But I was always very aware of, uh, this guy lives with his parents still like, that's not, that's not good. So I was like, I said, I was like, I got to get home. I gotta get. I gotta get back. So I am back. It was nice. I uh, I told you guys last week. I, I've been really into this show, The Americans from FX, which is a a scripted show. Um, you know, it's an adult show, but I'm I'm an adult. It's kind of it's about F like KGB agents. It's a bad boy show because I'm a bad boy. Like it's it involves criminals. Uh, but I got like, do you ever make way on a show that you're binging and you're like, look at me being productive. I've made my way through half of a season, you know, and you're like, you realize that there's nothing that really hasn't done anything for you. Like that has not helped with your life at all. But, but for some brief moment, you're able to trick your mind. Like if I can make some headway and get through three of these episodes, I've really conquered something. And that's on Monday alone. So I got to watch a bunch of those. I got to take notes on Potomac, which I'll be doing a recap for my Patreon tomorrow, which I'm very excited about because this season of Potomac, you guys, I it's like Beverly Hills without the criminal activity, you know, without with that. So you don't have to like the thing with Beverly Hills. It's truly incredible, but it, it sometimes it kind of turns your stomach a little bit because you know, at the end of the day, it really is kind of about money being taken from widows and orphans. And that's like there as a subtext, it's like right there, right under the surface. But with Potomac, it's just really good. And you don't have to ever feel bad. Like, I don't know if Karen Huger has stolen money from like burn victims or something, you know, like I don't have to worry about that, but we're only three episodes in on the new season and I am just delighted by it. Like, you know, it just, it's one of those shows you just turn on and I can just watch and not have to worry about anything. I, I enjoy it a second time around and I find it fascinating because you know, when a show works is that we don't talk about the casting, you know? Do you know how many things I've read now about Real Housewives of New York casting? How many think pieces or tweets or posts? I've participated in all of that. But guess what? If the if if New York was working, if that cast was working, we wouldn't be talking about it. We talk about Potomac just in the sense of like, oh my God, I'm so glad they're back. Karen and Giselle hate each other. It's so funny. Oh my God, Candace, she'll never forgive Karen, will she? Like, those are the kind of conversations we're having right now is just that the, it's kind of enjoyment 
We're just enjoying the show as opposed to picking it apart and trying to figure out why it doesn't work. And, you know, it's very, I've said this until I feel like I'm blue in the face, but like some things just don't work. It's not the end of the world. Like life goes on. It turns out Beverly Hills is great. We have that. Potomac is great. We have that. I have the Americans. That's taken up a great deal of my time, folks, as you've just heard. But, um, you know, it'll work again. It will be up back up on its feet in no time, I'm sure. Uh, but it is, it is funny how the fan base and me, like, I still crack up to like a year ago this time. I think I was proposing to Leah McSweeney on the podcast. Like I would, I would do, I don't know if you guys listened back then, but I would do huge, I would do dream sequences where I would profess my love to Leah McSweeney and ask her to marry me. Like that's, that's how dark the pandemic got for me. But no, I really like when I love something, you guys know, like I love something. Like I really get into it. And it is weird. Like, but I guess it's a, if I want, if I'm going to take a lesson from that, it's kind of like life, you know, is that sometimes life throws you changes, you know, like I do not feel like that, that way at all about Leah. In fact, I was just looking at somebody, somebody sent me something about Leah, something she put in her stories. And I kind of went like, oh, that's a shame. Well, you know, and I don't know what it is. Like, I don't know how that magic just left. Maybe I've grown. I mean, but it seems like a lot of people feel the same way. Um, but it is, it's just one of those interesting things. Uh, Real Housewives of New Jersey. Uh, this is interesting news. You guys, I'm hearing Real Housewives of New Jersey and Real Housewives of Atlanta are switching release dates. So we will get potentially Real Housewives of New Jersey before Real Housewives of Atlanta this year. So if you remember, Potomac ended and Atlanta started up. What I'm hearing is that Potomac is going to end and New Jersey is going to start up. They've already finished filming this past season of New Jersey. I am so, um, I don't know if thrilled is the word. I'm so interested in seeing Teresa and her boyfriend, Louie. Um, and uh, uh, there just seems to be so much. Do you guys ever think about this? Like, I don't know if you're a guy or a girl listening and, and what your life experience has been, but it seems like this Louie guy has done a lot of shit to a lot of ladies and it, not just one time, you know, but like, do you, do you ever go like, well, okay, well maybe Teresa is the right person. Maybe this is finally the, the perfect one for Louie or is this one just going to go bust as well? Like I, I, I sat there and thought about this for like 30 minutes the other day, and I guess we'll see it play out on camera. But what's so scary about reality shows, I find, is that the audiences were so sophisticated now is that Louis will show up on screen. I mean, I know he showed up briefly at the very end of this past season, but we'll, we'll actually get to see him in scenes. And I shit you not within at the end of that hour, we will all have made up our mind if he is good for Teresa or not. Like, honestly. We'll know. And I'm not saying that's ridiculous. We'll know and we'll be right. The audience is usually pretty right. And I think that's the coolest thing about reality shows is that the camera, like I say, by one some weird alchemy, can pick up a person's core being. Like You can bitch all you want about bad edit and Jack, so I'm playing a character. You can bitch all you want. But at the end of the day, the camera really does pick up those things. Usually, you're not able to fool the camera. I mean, you can change as a person. You can go through ups and downs, and all of those can be documented. 
but your core being usually can be picked up by the camera. It's just, that's why I think we're so into movies and TV because that's the magic of a camera. It really does pick up all of those things. So I am beyond excited to, uh, to see Jersey this season because I just want to see the the Louie stuff. I want to see Teresa and Louie. Like, because I was watching old episodes of Jersey and remember how Joe, Joe Giaducci, Joe? <laughs> Joe G. Hey, it's me, Joe. How you doing? It's Joe G. Damn it. I'm going to learn to do those voices someday. Oh, also, you guys, God bless anybody that follows me on Instagram. But I think I've tapped into a core now i tapped into a new audience of people that take everything i post as serious like dead serious and i've never been a person that has posted seriously unless i'm doing like an appreciation post for my parents or something i'm pretty silly like that's just who i am it's what i like to do but i posted this thing you know joey gorga his instagram is always like some people say the tough kick going but I say the tough has always been there. Like, it's always like this weird kind of inspiration of like, uh, weakness is just pain. No, it's just like, uh, sweat is just pain leaving your body. <laughs> you know, Joey Gorga. And then he'll post some photo of himself, like in a way too tight of shirt. So it shows his muscles or he'll be in the desert and he'll like have like this weird cactus planted exactly where his penis would be. And like, he posts the weirdest things. And so we all notice that. So I, I've done this a couple times now where I'll take a post of his and I'll just comment on some kind of thing that's just random. Like I did Britney Spears. I did like, you know, uh, if I ever meet Jamie Spears in public, I'll put an IUD in him. And then I put Joey Gorga, you know, and I think that was a pretty obvious joke um, because of my account. Uh, but th- the reason why the joke is funny is because Joey Gorga does say such weird shit that it's like not out of the realm of possibility that he might be talking about putting an IUD in Jamie Spears. So I did one last week after the uh, Beverly Hills episode, and I just said uh, it was like him looking tough and like a, uh, you know, a, a shirt, a Henley shirt. You know, just really looking intensely in the camera. And he had posted this, but his post was something um, – it was just like an inspirational quote like he does, which I love that he puts himself with the inspirational quote. Like, so in his head, it's like double inspiration. He's like, the quote's inspirational, but also my blue steel look is inspirational. Um, so his thing last week was, I used to care what people thought about me until one day I tried to pay my bills with their opinions. <laughs> Oh, that's so good. You know what? Let's read a couple of these before I tell you what I did. Um, uh, here's one. Funny thing about getting older, your eyesight your eyesight starts getting weaker, but your ability to see through people gets much better. Joey Gorga. <laughs> I, I couldn't. I mean, I can. Oh, it's so good. Um, and then here's a weird. Have you ever been in one of those moods where you really don't know what's wrong? but you feel really mad with everyone and everything. That's the post. Like he wrote that. And then it's just him staring like what? I don't even know. See, this is what we got. I, t- I said this about the Britney and I said this about Jen and Ben. I'm tired of the mysteries. Like, why are you doing this? Tell me, here's another one. A wise, mo- a wise man once said, bees don't waste their time explaining to flies that honey is better than shit. 
And then he wrote, read that again. I, that made my brain just like, I just, there was like smoke coming out of my ears. And then here's one of him laughing on a, a flower wall. And he goes, never lose the kid in you. <laughs> oh, here's the good one. This is him kind of like with his, like one of his guns, his muscles showing. And it goes, the best weight you'll ever lose is the weight of other people's opinion of you. Boom. You just got good. <laughs> you got good. Uh, okay, here's one. Don't fear failure. Fear being in the exact same place next year as you are today. good. You got good. I mean, this guy. So anyways, he does just, his account is just full of these really kind of weird inspirational sayings. And I did, I do dig it. I love reading them. So I put the, one of the photos and I, and I wrote, I've driven many cars off cliffs and never had a scratch. Erica is lying, and I love pancake cake. Kathy Hilton is a delight. And then I wrote, Joey Gorga. <laughs> so I think that's a pretty obvious joke because even in his post, he doesn't comment on housewives things. It's like inspirational. But then I had people going, he's ne- um, we're supposed to believe he's never had a scratch? Like what? He's lying. I'm like, yeah, he's lying. He didn't even write this. Like, the whole thing's a lie. And then he's like, wait a second. He's coming out against Erica? Joey Gorga? And then people would be like, he's right. Kathy Hilton is a delight. And um, so I, I just was fascinated. So I've been talking about Jennifer, Benifer, nonstop. Uh, ben Affleck and um, Jen Lopez. I'm just fascinated right now with their love, their fake love, whatever it is. I'm fascinated. And I was talking to Maditza, who makes the show graphics, and I said, hey, is there any way you could put Ben Affleck, you guys, if you don't know, and this I had to explain to a lot of people. I don't know how everybody doesn't know this by now, but I guess I guess just like just the real ones know is that if you follow my Instagram or if you just know pop culture in general or Ben Affleck, he has this horrific tattoo of a gigantic phoenix i thought it was a dragon at first but somebody corrected me a couple years ago because this has been for a couple years now i've been fascinated with this but it's a giant very colorful phoenix like it's very colorful and there's a a bunch of shots of him coming out of the ocean and they uh, paparazzi or something got tons of these photos and everybody was like, gee, and it, it, I mean, me, I saw it. I was like, oh, it just goes to show you not everybody's perfect. You know, like, good, good. He has horrible taste in tattoos. So anyways, I, I said, is there any way? And if you notice since rekindling with Jennifer Lopez, Ben Affleck, even on the yacht is in like full clothing. He is in a full shirt. He is not like they're on a boat. And, and it's, it seems like Jennifer was like, you will not be showing off your tattoo while we have professional photographers here. And especially with paparazzi, you will be keeping that shirt on around me. So I thought it was really funny to think of, of Jennifer Lopez hating that tattoo. But then we saw today that Jennifer Lopez now, and this is just chat my hide because we've taken it just Jen, if you're listening, you've taken it another step too far. She was spotted today with a gold necklace with the words, guess what? Ben on it. Ben, 52 year old 
woman with the name Ben on her neck. And that's, it's nothing to do with age, but what it has to do with is that these guys just got together a couple months ago. We, you don't wear your person's name for at least six months. And especially when you're rekindling a relationship, come on, what are you, a rookie? I mean, this is too much. We get it. We get it. Whatever you're trying to do, we get that you want us to know that you are putting penises in vaginas. We get it. We're totally on board. We understand. But now you're like just hitting the point so hard that we're hating the point. We're, I, I want to like this. I don't want to be, I don't want to be scared every time I open the Daily Mail or just get some push alert from TMZ. Like I don't need to be getting push alerts that Jen has a Ben necklace. I just, I feel like just keep it, keep it quiet. Like, you know, like, I mean, I love love too. I love love as much as the next uh, guy with the reality show podcast, but it just, it's too much. So I thought, hey, wouldn't it be funny if Jen did the ultimate act of love and got that same (laughs) Phoenix back tattoo on her back? And Maritza made it and it looked beautiful. Standing next to a yacht, the whole thing. You know, but I, once again, I'm like, I don't post this wanting to trick people. I post it because I think it's a funny idea. And most people get it, but then I'm already getting things like, this isn't real, guys. This is Photoshop. You can see the little thing on her. And I'm like, no shit, it's Photoshop. This isn't real. And then you had people commenting, uh, she's a, she's trash with this. Like, oh my God, Do, I mean, it just goes to show you that Erica Jane might totally get away with everything. I mean, OJ Simpson got away with everything. You guys, people will believe any, like people will just take you at face value. And it just, that's kind of a beautiful thing in a lot of ways, but we live in a society that there's a lot of liars out there. So every time somebody writes that on one of my Instagram, I get scared for the rest of their lives of like, oh my God, who is getting one over on you? Like I I get, I get nervous, you know, I'm like, if you believe this, like also you obviously don't know who I am because my, all my posts are just completely jackass ridiculous where most of the time the comments are like, Oh, Ryan, Oh, Ryan, Ryan. Oh, you're crazy. Ryan, you're bad. I am bad. Don't ever forget it. Bad boy at podcasting. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it's always so I get nervous because I'm like, am I going to get in trouble for this one day? Is Jennifer Lopez going to like talk to me and be like, you need to retract this immediately. Oh, uh, do you do you guys want to hear a clip of Jen? This is a clip, you guys, from Watch What Happens Live, where Andy Cohen asked Jennifer Lopez about Ben's tattoo. And this is in between uh, their breakup and their rekindling. So here is Jennifer Lopez in her own words. It's awful. It's awful. It's not attractive. I would tell him that. I would tell him, like, what what are you doing? It has too many colors. His tattoos always have too many colors. They always have too many colors. They shouldn't shouldn't be so colorful. Yes. You know what I mean? They should be, like, cooler. I don't know. Damn, dude. So that was, like, about after they had broken up. So when you you get, like, one of your exes kind of already making fun of something that you've done to your body, that's not a good sign. And so my, my... I mean, I've now just been thinking about this obsessively. Um, is that does she like what? What's what do you think that like like when they started hooking up again? What was that moment where she was like, "Oh shit, I forgot about your fucking tattoo." Like it, it. I mean, and my and this is if the kids are here. If if you're around kids right now, let's 
Let's send the kids out of the room, okay? Okay, are they gone? What if she pegs him? What if she's behind him and she can't she can't get into it? She can't keep a straight face because he's got a gigantic phoenix tattoo on his back. A very colorful phoenix. I mean, the, the color is what makes it kind of even weirder. Because if it was a black and white phoenix, you'd be like, okay. But, like, the coloring is so colorful. And it just isn't, like... Like a tattoo, like a bad boy, like a bad boy podcasting would have, which by the way, I cannot, I have two tattoos, uh, and I do not like either. I, 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 I don't, yeah, I'm not gonna even talk about that right now, but, um, I, I wish, I wish I had something that really meant something to me that I, so I could get another tattoo where I always like, if I had another life or another body, I'd be like, I would love to try a sleeve, like a tattoo sleeve. Like I, you're like, Ryan, you couldn't pull that off, but you don't know. I could like, dude, it's like a, how badass would that be? A guy with a reality show podcast with a sleeve tattoo. Like you wouldn't fucking step to me at all. If I had that, you know? People would step off if they were around. So I, I went digging and I wanted to find out if we had anything on record uh, with with Ben Affleck's comments about this. And I was able to fly, find a clip of Ben's feelings about the tattoo. Here is Ben Affleck from the Ellen DeGeneres show. And so y'all went swimming together and there was a, a photo of the of your back tattoo that got a lot of attention. It did, um, it did. Not, not so much positive. No, I think people, it's a, it's a, it's a commitment. It's, um, what is, the, it's like a... It's a phoenix. Uh-huh. It's a phoenix, which... Uh... Rising from your ass. <laughs> I didn't, we didn't even plan that bit. That's no, just, we didn't, but that's it's... That's what you get yeah, when you're a comedian. Yeah, you yeah. can do that kind of thing. Right. Very quick. Yeah. Um, where was I? Anyway, yes, it's... This is phoenix rising from my ass. Uh-huh. And uh, I was about to say it represents something really important to me, but yeah. you know what, maybe just... <laughs> no, you can... We'll skip that. You can say uh, that. It does represent no, something no, important. Yeah, it is. It's meaningful to me. I like it. it I, it's not it's something that I sort of kept... Private. It wasn't like I was sort of doing photo shoots or whatever. We were two hours north of a city in some island in Hawaii, and we didn't know the paparazzi was there. So they got a picture of my tattoo, and yeah, the sentiment ran, you know, against. In, in the, I, which I, I love my tattoo. I'm yeah, very happy it? with it. Yeah, it's Luckily, your tattoo. It's your back. Yeah. Has, yeah. 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 So it's a very meaningful Phoenix tattoo. So I'm I'm glad it means something to him. But I don't. I mean, we know J Lo is not on board. So if this is real. I mean, could they break up over the Phoenix back tattoo? Like, this is the shit that goes through my mind. Like, I will stay up thinking about this. Dear Lord, please release me from these thoughts. Uh, What else is going on? And by the way, today... Our guest, uh, you saw on, uh, I'm sure, the title, Shane Keogh from Real Housewives of Orange County. He was the son of Jeannie. He is the son of Jeannie Keogh. And and uh, I was watching Real Housewives of Orange County the other day. Uh, in fact, I'll talk about this on the intro. But he was great and, and just so uh, kind of blew me away about how together this guy is. Uh, I want him to be my life coach, but it's a it's a quick like thirty five minute interview. This will be a fast pod today. In fact, though, it's already thirty minutes in, and I've only covered like one thing. I could talk to you guys forever. I swear to God, I'm not like this in my life, but I get around you guys, and and I just want to. It, it it's the bizarrest feeling. I I hope to one day to be able to explain it to everybody, but it really does feel like I'm talking to friends on here. Oh, also, uh, I got a c- bunch of comments um, about. Uh, I asked Sophie where was the craziest place she's ever hooked up before, and then she threw that back on me, and I I didn't have time to think, and I said it was on my high school waterbed, and I had made too much noise on the waterbed, and and 
uh, my parents heard it because I, I guess it was like an afternoon after school with my girlfriend. And, um, but then <laughs> somebody gave me, somebody important to me gave me shit about it and said, uh, you know, that, 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 that really was it. And I was like, yeah, that really. And then I was trying to think of like a cooler place where I did it. And I came up with one, you guys in college, I hooked up on the black box theater at Arizona state university. When I was doing a play there, I was in charge. I don't, God, I don't think I can get in trouble for this now. I mean, it's, it's, it's been two years since I've been to college, but I, I was in charge of the theater and acting in it, but I made money like taking care of like theater things like, you know, like cleaning the stage and all that. So I had keys and stuff and I had a long-term girlfriend. So it wasn't like I just picked up some floozy and, uh, and, 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 and we hooked up on, on the stage and I might have, um, I might've set like lights, <laughs> like there was like a light. <laughs> This is so idiotic. Oh my God. Okay. Do not tell anybody that. Okay. So like you can program lights and I had like these lights programmed. So this is so fucking dumb. I, um, oh my God. No. Okay. I'm going to say this and I know, okay, I'm just going to say this and I don't need this is my Phoenix backpack too. It's so funny how you just forget huge swaths of your life. Like, okay, so now I'm remembering it. I had set this light program where it was like purples and reds and stuff. And, it, <laughs> and um, I put music on to it. And it was, um, it was Dave Matthews Band. <laughs> it was um, Crash. <laughs> you go Crash. To me, <laughs> I, <laughs> I thought it was so romantic. Oh, oh, oh my god! I should, I should reach out to my ex and see if. She <laughs> oh, mommy, he's playing Dave Matthew. You gotta come get me. I, I wanna, I don't wanna be in college anymore. Please. Oh. <laughs> Uh, and that's so me. I'm from. <laughs> oh my god, so, so stupid and sappy. I was the fucking guy that put on like <laughs> romantics. <laughs> like it was. It could have been something cool, like R and B, or like maybe like a little rock. But I was like, you go crash into me. Hey, baby, and I go. <laughs> oh my! God. Bad boy, bad boy. Um, this is completely unhinged today, you guys. I am so sorry. Very not professional of me, but um, I was, I was, uh, I played you guys earlier the uh, the mashup that started the show. That was, of course, Pixies. Where is my mind? Which I have been on a. I played that with another mashup. They do a lot of mashups to that song. It's the most amazing song, and Pixies are an amazing, amazing band. But that was with Beastie Boys, and I was thinking about Beastie Boys because. I mentioned on yesterday's pod to watch Woodstock 99, which is a documentary that Bill Simmons produced on HBO Max. And I was able to watch some of it last night. And uh, it was amazing because it's like a horror film. 
Like, you think it's like, because the bands, the way they had scheduled the bands in 1999 to celebrate Woodstock, which is an original music festival that was all around peace and love. You know, it's iconic for that. But in 1999, the most important bands in pop culture were Limp Bizkit, Korn, Kid Rock. Um, Who else did you have? Uh, Creed was there. Metallica. Which I think actually Metallica is pretty cool, but um, you just had really, really heavy, heavy music and kind of this trip hop rap shit that was like really big. And Limp Biscuit, like I love like two Limp Biscuit songs that are like, you know, you gotta like Nookie and you gotta like rolling, 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 rolling. There's like two good Limp Biscuit songs, but in retrospect, it's pretty hysterical. And Dave Holmes is a talking head. I love this guy, Dave Holmes. He was an MTV VJ, and he's just a really, really smart, like really a hero of mine, um, his career is. And he was saying, it, it was funny, it was back in 1999, for no explanation, bands would have a DJ on stage. And sometimes you would just hear, wicked, wicked, wicked. And there was really no other reason, but like just DJs wound up on stage with rock bands in the late 90s. You know, you saw it with Kid Rock, but it was like Kid Rock was up there. They showed this clip that is just so like, just, he, he said, yo, everybody, and we're talking a hundred plus thousand people there. And it was basically all white dudes. All these women got sexually assaulted that weekend. Cause it, it shows you how it went from Friday. There was like a lack of water, the heat, everything like the, 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 um, the porta potties were destroyed. So everybody thought they were dancing around in mud, but it was like sewage. And it was just by Sunday shit went bad. And like the kids started burning things down destroyed all of this property. It was really scary, but bands like Limp Bizkit and Kid Rock kind of like egged it on, they said. But it was also weird because it was like, it was just a sea of white male aggression. You know, of like these kids, like they didn't even know what they were mad at, but they were mad. I thought it was just so fascinating, just a true horror film. I really recommend it. Uh, it It was really fascinating just because you think about the culture that we were in back then. But even Kid Rock was on stage and he was like, yo, what's up? And he said something like, Monica Lewinsky's a whore and Bill Clinton is a pimp. And it was just, I mean, we always have people saying stupid shit all the time, right? But it's so wild to have lived in that time period to have been a music lover and to watch all of this shit. You had this, this battle that MTV TRL and all of that kind of culture where MTV in the late nineties, it was all boy bands like girl pop and then like metal, like kind of like corn, Limp Bizkit, all of those bands. Like that was the other side of it. And remember TRL, Fred Durst was on TRL all the time because he was friends with Carson Daly. Remember that, you know, like it was like Eminem, Fred Durst, Kid Rock, like, and then you had the pristine, like Britney and Christina and Jessica Simpson. You had all of those and MTV kind of pushed that agenda. So even MTV was there and they, uh, they did live coverage all weekend. And by the end, Kurt Loder, who was the head of MTV news, it was like a war zone. Like Kurt Loder was reporting from a war zone of like, we've got to get everybody out of here. Carson Daly run for cover. Like imagine like Carson Daly, he was just like, yeah, like we were told to evacuate and we had to get into a van and they had to speed off, like protect Carson Daly at all costs. 
But for somebody, I mean, that's why I, I recommend it because I know a lot of you guys are around my age and stuff like that and probably were kids when that weekend happened. And it, it was, uh, I think it's just a really well done thing. And you could, it would have been easy to make it a really funny documentary and make fun of like the music and the times and the, the fashion and all that stuff. But it was, it got, it, it got much deeper and I really, really appreciated it. Um, and it just goes to show you like the culture is, uh, how it changes, you know, and it's not so much the music. You, you can make arguments that some of that music is shit. I mean, sure. But some of that music is good. It's just like, but the fans turned out to be bad. Sometimes it becomes like a, um, an anthem for assholes, you know, that, that aggression that it was all about, you know, Limp Bizkit had a song called Break Stuff, and they played that there and everybody started breaking shit, you know? I mean, very basic things, but, I mean, guys were there like, yeah, I came here to break shit. Um, but sometimes the music isn't the really bad thing. It's the what it inspires in the fan base. I was thinking about, I was listening to, uh, I hiked today and I was listening to Foo Fighters have, has a new kind of, they have a spinoff band called the DGs, which is just a covers album of Bee Gees classics. Uh, Bee Gees, of course, uh, one of the huge, um, icons in the disco era, uh, because of the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack and all this stuff. And, and I watched, there's a beautiful Bee Gees documentary that came out on HBO Max last year that I really recommend, even if you don't like the band, it was just because the band was three brothers. But anyways, they did this uh, covers album that I listened to today that just came out a couple weeks ago. And you realize like, man, some of these songs are, they're good. Why did these songs get made fun of so much? Why did disco get made fun of so much? And it wasn't that the song I was thinking about, this is the deep thoughts you have when you hike. Uh, and sometimes it's like nice to just be alone with your thoughts. Uh, <laughs> and you don't have a microphone on, but I was thinking it's like, it's not the music sometimes, but it's what the fan base. It's like, maybe disco didn't suck. Maybe disco fans sucked. Maybe a lot of those people that thought they were too cool for school that was dancing to this shit in Studio 54, you know, in the in the late 70s, early 80s and stuff. Maybe they sucked. Maybe it inspired, like, just assholes. But the music, like, if you listen to some of that music, it really holds up. And I'm not saying Limp Biscuit holds up, except for Nookie and uh, that song Rollin'. But, you know... Art is art. It's subjective. Like one person's shit is another person's gold. Like it's the same thing with reality shows. All the stuff that we love you guys, you know, you try explaining it. Like you've tried. I know you've tried to make a friend or a loved one watch these shows and they don't know what the F you're you're watching. They're like, how, why are you watching? I remember making my friend Dusty watch an episode of Vanderpump Rules when I visited him in Chicago. And I just remember he sat there with this puss on just like, you watch this shit? For real. Like this is this is what you find and I and you're just like, come on, dude. You know you I you love this. Come on. But that's why I don't really, you know, I have my personal opinion of about what music sucks, but I know that it might mean something completely different to somebody else. But yeah, watch that Woodstock ninety nine. But the reason okay, the reason why I put the Beastie Boys, there was a quote in there, and I thought this was really kind of inspirational is Beastie Boys, which if you guys don't know, like, how do you not know the Beastie Boys? But I did talk to somebody recently that had were like, oh, yeah, I think my dad likes them. And I was like, oh, that's so sad. Beastie Boys were amazing. It was three dudes. 
Uh, three white dudes. They had license to ill, which was huge in the eighties. And it was kind of like, uh, they were three punks. There were three punks that talked about getting drunk and screwing girls. And, uh, but what was cool about the BC boys was that through their career, they grew up and they started like, you know, they, they even made a point in this documentary, you know, all those years later, they said, you know, what we're trying to talk about now is respecting women is, is women can rock just as hard as we can and kind of change their tune. And in a way was, uh, were, were ashamed of some of the things where they had come from. And I think that that was the coolest thing to, uh, to remember was that, you know, because it, it, it's all about growth, right? We want to grow. We want to always grow. We want to, it, it's okay to, uh, to change and it's okay to become a better person. Like that's like evolution. If you're doing it right, I think if you're doing life right, you're always learning. Whoa, you guys, I really, uh, I really went on one today. Uh, so our guest today, uh, we're going to do a commercial for our sponsor, HelloFresh, and then we're going to go into our guest today, Shane Keogh. Remember, remind you guys, use the timestamps if you wanted to skip past that entire 40-minute monologue and skip right to Shane. Please do it. Uh, I will say I was so impressed with Shane Keogh. Like I had mentioned earlier, he is the son of Jeannie Keogh. You watched him on uh, a couple seasons of the the first couple of seasons of Real Housewives of Orange County. Now, I've been watching the first season over again because uh, Faces by Bravo, Steve, um, I'm on his new podcast that I think premieres in August, and he's going to be covering Real Housewives of Orange County. So I was watching this and it really, we talk a little bit about this in the pod with Shane is just how much a person can change. And that's why I found it fascinating watching that Woodstock 99 documentary is that, you know, Shane is a guy that he talks about. He was a completely different person as we all are when we're 19. If you remember some of the, the guff he gave his mom or his family, you know, and he was, he was trying to be a baseball player and it looked really good for him. And he was a good looking guy and all of this stuff. But, um, I, I don't know. I, I thought he is so well-spoken. I thought he was really kind of an inspirational guy. Like I said, I want him to be my life coach. Uh, he was super nice and I just kind of, it threw me. It, it did. It really threw me. I saw him on that watch what happens live. Uh, the, uh, where are they now? The kids edition that was a couple months ago and it blew me away on there as well. And he was so nice enough to, to talk to us and he's doing some really cool stuff that he talks about. And I want you to pay attention to that. And I'll put that in the description and on the Instagram post as well. But, um, we're going to do the hello fresh commercial and then we're going to go right into our guest Shane Keogh. Folks, summer is just around the corner, so it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Now, I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily, I found Quince. Now, I have a lineup of timeless pieces I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I got a pair of tan shorts. I got a pair of green shorts. I cannot wait to style these for summer. And I gotta tell you, the quality is great because Quince has all the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen shirts from $30, performance polos, and versatile flow knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman by partnering directly with top factories and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. 
So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's quince.com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Guys, today's sponsor, as I said earlier, is HelloFresh again. HelloFresh is is amazing. You know, you get fresh pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. You can skip trips to the grocery store and you count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. Now, folks, they sent me this and I actually have video. I took video, so I didn't want to ever be called a liar, of me cooking yeah, yeah. Like I said earlier, I can cook now because of HelloFresh. Uh, HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning and grocery store trips with less prep, less effort, and minimal cleanup. That actually, I make everything a mess. And I got to tell you, this was not a mess as usually I make things. So yeah, I guess that is minimal. Uh, so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in just about 30 minutes. HelloFresh's calorie smart options make it easier to enjoy tasty, lower calorie meals this summer without scouring the grocery store for ingredients and the web for easy recipes. It actually really is cool, guys. They put all of like the ingredients in these little pouches. So if you need dill, they have like little package of dill instead of having to go buy a whole bottle of dill. I keep saying dill and I don't know why I keep using it as an example. No, you can choose from over 50 menu and market items to, to go each week from vegetarian meals to craft burgers and extra special gourmet options all available. So there's something for everyone to enjoy with all recipes designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. So this was really cool. I got my box of HelloFresh, uh, and they sent me three meals, and I I, I made the, the chili one because I uh, it was the easiest, but then the other ones were just as easy. And it was really, I, I, I mean, it was really filling. I, I kind of always get scared I'm not going to have enough food. I don't know why, but it, I'm that way. And this actually was insanely filling. And then I was able to take a bunch of pictures pictures and I was like, oh, I can post these on social media and make myself look cool, you know, so you can do that as well. But if you guys want to try this, go to HelloFresh.com slash SoBad14 and use the code, the promo code SoBad14 for up to 14 free meals plus free shipping. Once again, that's HelloFresh.com slash SoBad14 and use code SoBad14 for up to 14 free meals plus free shipping. I mean, come on, do that for me. I, you also get something out of it too. It's free food. Who doesn't like free food? I love food. Okay, back to the show. You guys, I am so excited for my next guest. This is actually the, the the first child of a housewife who is now an adult who I actually have on the show. Uh, you know his mom, Jeannie Keo, from the first five seasons of the historical reality show, Real Housewives of Orange County. And we got to watch his journey a little bit as well. Uh, I, I remember being very upset with him because he was way better looking than I was. So it was very upsetting right out of the gate. But he actually has went on to do some really amazing things, which I cannot wait to talk to him about. And I just kind of want to know about what the 
experience of being uh, kind of growing up on one of these shows is. But uh, Shane Keough, thank you so much for being here today. No problem, Ryan. A pleasure to be a part of uh, this show and uh, glad to chat with you. Now, uh, we just saw you recently on Watch What Happens Live. What was that experience like? I mean, it was kind of interesting to watch all of the kids get together that we kind of watch grow up on these shows. Certainly, certainly. And anytime you're with Andy, it's always an experience. Uh, (laughs) But I I think what was great is I think everyone got to see themselves uh, in another person uh, from all all age ranges, all demographics, wherever they live, their yeah, uh, their orientation, their race, their educational, everybody saw themselves uh, across the table from someone else. I thought that was a lot of fun to see people who, you know, started this, sh- this crapshoot like I did, but they were eight. Uh, I was eight. <laughs> I was 18. Um, I knew what I was in for, for at some way, you know, I'd grown up in the entertainment space, you know, acting and modeling as a kid. And, yeah. you know, so I was just hamming it up thinking, you know, this is just another thing. And, uh, I can't imagine uh, having that long of an experience in such an impressionable age. Uh, I w- it was cool to see them kind of come out the other side uh, looking as good as they did. What was it like, though, to uh, actually be a part of that experience at the time? I mean, when you do the first season, I know you're just kind of like, uh, who, I mean, what is that? Did your mom even ask you like, hey, I'm going to do this reality show. Do you actually want to be a part of it? So uh, the, the funny thing is, is it started so organically. And again, something we were somewhat familiar with, you know, the, the concept of, hey, you know, we're going to, we have this idea, we want to shoot some stuff and put you guys talking and we're going to put it together and, and we're going to pitch it. And so, you know, my mom and dad, and at least, you know, I, I think I was probably 15, 16 years old when we first started talking about it. Yeah. And then as the show started airing, you know, I'm now 18 years old and it just things, that's a big jump. So, you know, so from conception to just kind of this thought about this small gated community where we live exploding into this franchise global phenomenon that, you know, is, is nonstop, it seems like. So I think from the beginning, it was just so crazy to be a part of that. And all of a sudden we just realized one day, it was like, wait a second, this is, this is something big. And you're looking back like, Oh, wait a second. I was <laughs> obnoxious or ignorant <laughs> or uh, just immature and abusive to, you know, what I thought was just hysterical. And then you look back and like, Oh wow, those are cringy moments or. But um, isn't that kind of all of our like youth experience in some way is that it's just a lifetime of cringy moments. And like, I always yeah. think God, that like I didn't have Facebook when I was in high school because like I would have wrote, written so many bad poems to girls or like, you know, I'm just so glad there wasn't a document, but you actually have a document of this and it's kind of cringy, but at the same time, there's so many positive benefits to it too, I imagine. Exactly. And I think that's, I think that's the outlook of life in general, right? I mean, how do you want to look at that glass? And yeah. there were plenty of opportunities for me to continually look at this glass as half empty is nothing but a nuisance, but I, I really tried to grab hold of the benefits of just uh, having that opportunity f- to engage with people, uh, which yeah. I've always just enjoyed. And I didn't realize I'd enjoyed it at the level I did till I got into my you know early mid twenties, and you start to slow down and prioritize a little bit. Especially for me, I went from baseball my whole life, and uh, at twenty four years old, my career ended, and it was okay, do something else. Um, pick another career. And so, you know, having that whole time to, uh, to kind of reflect and adapt and to be able to trace back to, you know, these uncomfortable moments being on TV or 
the comfortable moments, you know, the fun and all yeah. the good stuff you have. But I think that's kind of way, it, like I said, that's just life. There are, there are a lot of moments where, man, that was really bad, Shane, but I've had so many opportunities to now talk about my experience and how hmm. I felt like I've had to change based on stupid crap. I have video evidence of, um, <laughs> I think people look to me because it's, they trust that I'm, I've done it. Yeah. You know, why would we help? Why would we trust you with our, our green sustainability movement? Well, because I know what it's like to make drastic changes and have people perceive you as one way and have to prove to them that you are just something totally different than some microscopic 10 second clip they saw. I got to tell you, and I even fall into that, uh, you know, I, I watch all of these reality shows and you really go by the edit or you go by what you see. And usually the camera can pick up, um, you know, uh, the truth in some fashion of what we're seeing. But I found it interesting when I started um, actually doing research on you and stuff is that I was like, wow, you really have, you seem to have grown into kind of this uh, really solid person. I was reading some of your Instagram captions, which I know sounds silly, but I was like, wow, there's like, it it, it, it was weirdly poetic to me. And then I, looking at what you're involved in, you have this We Go For Two, which is, it's a sustainability program that uh, positively impacts our global environmental health what is that exactly uh, it is that but you know so again taking something that i grew up around you know i grew up in the entertainment space uh had agents uh, growing up as a kid was into sports had agents my father was a part of the moneyball revolution with the yeah. open a's and how to prioritize maximizing your invo- your investment and how do you get the most involvement and most buy-in without even to empty the bank to do it um, and so I, I, I've had all these unique life experiences to pull from, and I've, I've seen value in things that people just don't perceive as valuable. Um, I hmm. grew up around the waste industry, uh, saw landfills and the wealth around waste. Um, and so that was kind of my early entry into this, into this, uh, the sustainability space was, was waste. The interest and the concept that no matter what's going on in the world, there's a stream of waste, um, whether it's plastic or food waste or uh, oils and uh, stuff from uh, restaurants and whatnot, hotel waste. You just think about all these things that we do all day long and we don't realize our own personal impact uh, on the world, uh, whether it's physically with putting something in the right bin or, or just doing something and letting your five-year-old niece, like I have, watch me do something. And so next time I litter, not thinking about it, she calls me out. <laughs> and those are the situations that I saw so impactful, but I wasn't seeing being implemented in the business space. It was always in the nonprofit, uh, you know, environmental space only. There was this missing kind of piece where business and the environment and people are, are equally as important. And yeah. started just doing research and talking to people and kind of getting educated. I didn't go to formal school to get a degree in uh, engineering or economics or uh, city planning, but I I felt that I knew the right people that together they could do something great because I saw it with the the upstart of a show and the upstart of companies that people with different skills who had nothing to do with each other outside of this project could do really cool stuff. Um, And so we've, we've just taken kind of all these unique experiences from the entertainment world, from sports, uh, luxury things, uh, apartment buildings, hospitals, hotels. We're looking at uh, working uh, in the federal correction space now. Like, how do we help people that are serving time to make them better uh, community members when they come back? Uh, make them better parents. Make them better 
uh, family members and you use sustainability to do that. So and what a great time uh, it's, to it's do cool. that now, especially as, uh, you know, global warming. I mean, we're seeing it all over, especially in the last couple of months, just how how much this is affecting our, our planet. So, I mean, uh, it, it's very inspiring to have somebody out there doing things that will help on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, so, uh, when you watch, uh, you get on the show, it's your mom, it's your, your brother, of course, and your sister, uh, Colton and Kara. Um, what is the, with, with the relationship with your mom, what was it like watching her go through that experience? And did you watch the show itself when it aired or were you like, I filmed it. I don't need to see it. You know, from the beginning, we, we did watch in the early stages just because it, it was us. We felt so a part of the creation of this place. It was our friends. It was our neighbors. Uh, it felt organic. It almost felt like uh, Facebook or something yeah. because we were, we were a part of it. These are all the people we knew. So that was a little bit different. And then as, as things progressed and, you know, it became more popular and you started kind of merging uh, people from different areas and all of a sudden you had uh, just different dynamics. And all of a sudden, you know, the show started having success based on, you know, drama or conflict, which is just <laughs> like anything else. People want some sizzle. Um, and I think at that point is when I started realizing, again, I was getting into 18, 19 years old, you know, was out of high school, was playing professional sports, you know, had some life experience. And all of a sudden I understood a little bit, you know, how context is everything. Um, the order of things is, is really important. And those are just things I noticed. Um, yeah. So as, as the show went on and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, at that time, my mom is, is dealing with so many things. She's got three kids in really important ages, you know, uh, middle school, high school, graduating, yeah. things like that. And at the same time, we're, we're having uh, issues with my father who's dealing with, with some of the demons that eventually, you know, took his life yeah. last year. Um, but, you know, so my mom is at that time being two parents while also running uh, a real estate business and flipping homes and doing all these crazy things. Uh, and then all of a sudden this titanic wave of, of show comes <laughs> uh, and it's it's just something that nobody really expected. And then time it got big enough, um, it, it was almost too late to to adjust. And it was okay. This is this is who we are. <laughs> we got to live it. But as everything went on, my involvement got smaller and smaller because I was just yeah, never were... around when they were shooting. Um, but would but, you, you still know, like, keep up with it? Because I mean, like, yeah. and, and did you get it from personal? Like, if anybody ever picks on my mom, like if, if Vicky Gunvalson ever said anything about my mom or Tamara, I'd freak out, you know, like, yeah. did you take it? Did you ever take it personally? Or were you always? Well, it's just a reality show. And I think that's kind of the the thing, too, is, you know, nobody can annoy us like our parents. Uh, <laughs> nobody knows our buttons. And, you know, we know theirs and we know that they're about to do something even before they do it. And so um, again, you know, the same situation can happen to the same ki five kids, but the context of that experience could be totally different and everything changes. Um, you know, like I said, my worst experience with my mom was her coming to a base, one of my baseball games, which for most people would be a great moment. Yeah. Um, but it led to one of the worst moments of my life at that time. And for me, it was a totally different experience that uh, you know, death threats, it, it hurt my career. It, I wasn't allowed to go back to that team because of that the following season. Um, you know, and those are just things that, you know, most people just don't really appreciate how, how big of an impact that is um, when most people that would have never even been an issue. Uh, if they slipped up, it wouldn't have been 
caught on a microphone that would have been projected on TV yeah. that, you know, people still think that happened like last week. They it is, the yeah. They they personalize like... <laughs> it, so they, yeah. It never, but that's so interesting that you even kind of uh, are able to recognize that and and kind of encapsulate the experience in uh, you know where you're. It, it, I mean, you seem like you have a healthy uh, head on your shoulders about even that experience. Definitely, and because it's it's definitely a moment that I've had to to analyze and has been analyzed for me uh, by a lot of different <laughs> people from you know, professionals all the way to the, you know, the eggs on social media, there's, there's plenty to say. And, you know, we've, uh, you know, we earn, we earn what we do in those moments, but at the same time, those aren't an entire life is not in that moment. Um, but there's also so much that led to that moment being that way. Yeah. Again, people just, it's hard to appreciate something you just physically didn't experience. Even if you saw it laid out like documentary style, um, you know, the life pressures, the embarrassment, you know, all these things, there's, you hit all of that into one second. It's the um, perfect storm. Yeah. It's the perfect storm. And nine out of 10 people are, are, are not going to, not going to act appropriately or they're never going to recover. And yeah. I think I didn't act appropriately, but I believe in the long term and actually it made me a better person. Cause I, I, I knew the power of moment and See, I think that is- gets lost. What is that? That was that the moment though? That I mean, because you really, I mean, I'm like literally about to ask you to be my life coach because you seem so well adjusted. (laughs) I don't like what was that moment where you're like, I am not going to just like even you know, you had uh, you know, your your baseball career, you said it ended at 24. I mean, a lot of people would would just kind of collapse if that's what they thought they were going to do with their life for a lot longer than that. And you chose not to collapse. I mean, like that's what was that decision? Because I, I come from an acting background and there are moments where as I get older, like I had to uh, pivot or diversify and I started mm-hmm. doing podcasting and I signed with iHeartRadio and, and good things are happening because of that. But there is that I've been doing that since I was a kid. And then when you get yeah. older, you're like, well, it might not, uh, it might not happen the way that you always dreamed it would happen. And yeah. that's hard not to let that overtake you. How did you not let it overtake you? And I think for me, I think one of the things I learned about sports early on, and there's a, I can't remember who said it, but the quote is that, uh, you could be in the hall of fame by failing seven out of 10 times. Uh, <laughs> that, that means you're a lifetime 300 hitter and you're probably in Cooperstown. So yeah. for me, I always knew life you weren't, you could do everything right. And there's a guy standing there, uh, golf's I love golf now because it's, it just feels so much like life. You hit it perfectly down the middle, hits a sprinkler head and goes out of bounds. And then at the same time you hit one out of bounds, it hits a, a burn in the head and bounces into the fairway. Um, you, you hear it a lot in sports. It's the process, the process, the journey, you got to focus on the daily task of it. And if you get caught up on the future projections of it, you're never happy. Because yeah. looking in the future, you're like, oh, I, I can, I'll do that better next time. Yes, in hindsight, yeah, you'll hit that curveball instead of swinging over the top. But you, there's so much other experience going on, and the next day you got to start over. You can't drag that crap with you. Yeah. Um, but again, it's also something that can make you a little intolerant to other people's suffering. And that was something mm. I had to grow into was – just because it's not my experience or I don't think that that experience would be hard doesn't mean that's not a hard experience because I just, I don't know it. Um, I can only go at an experience or explain an experience that I dealt with and how I think my experience might pertain and help someone else's experience. But 
at the end of the day, there are so many ways we can be happy. And I think we're just shown through social media and all these other avenues that there are so many things we don't have. Or look at how happy someone is because of all yeah, these things. Or even, even the Housewives, it was an aspirational show of maybe yeah. we can someday get to that level uh, or a lot of ladies are aspiring to be living yeah. the life. See, of I always mom. thought it was the other way. I always thought it was <laughs> people liked it because they liked at the end of the day that they saw people struggling with everyday things, even though they quote unquote had money. And yeah. I think that's something I learned. And again, I love that folds in folds into the space I'm in now and sustainability is money is great, but it's actually a detriment if you don't use it correctly, because people put so much happiness into the money and the things they spend it on and then not realize that they got the thing and now they're still unhappy. It's you got to have more, uh, more intention. Uh, what's the show? It's, if it doesn't give you bring you uh, joy, let it go. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, yeah. the clutter one. Uh, clutter, you- yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you hear it in sports all the time. It's As a pitcher especially, it's like, I don't care what you throw. Throw it with conviction. Because yeah. if you throw the right pitch with no conviction, it's now the wrong pitch. Um, and so I think that for me, it's don't get away from things you love. Stay creative. Because you'd be surprised. I was in the acting space. I did auditions. I had all the agents was was in a couple of independent films and all that stuff. And I left did you, that Did space. you like it? I did. I loved it. Uh, but again, that space led me here. Because yeah. what I realized is I saw what collaboration looked like on, a, on, another, on another scale. I saw it with reality TV. I saw it with professional sports. And now I got to see it on, on set um, where people from all walks of life come together and make something great. Uh, out of nothing. It's not fancy lighting. It's a bed sheet or a t-shirt over a lamp that you got at Costco yeah. or that you found in front of someone's door. You put a light bulb in it. Like that's what true creation is. It's just like you, you make it and I you make that, it yeah. what you have. And I think that's kind of the, what this has all shown me is just like, you can make it, uh, but you'd be surprised. You're not leaving your, that, that path. You're just, you're coming at it from a different angle and you'd be, I'm back in the entertainment space again, but just not on screen. I, yeah. I work with people that do that or we, we help, uh, you know, clean up the shoots and stuff like that. So I'm still in those spaces working with the same people, but just from a different perspective now. Yeah. I mean, I, I love what you say about uh, collaboration, like no man or woman is an island, or I think sometimes we can think of ourselves on this kind of solo journey, but I think the true benefits in life are only when you work with other people, you know, and yeah. when you actually can come together to do something positive like you're doing, how do we get involved or how do like, I mean, the listeners out there, is there anything that we can do to get involved in the things that you do? Or what do you recommend to people that are like, Hey, I want to, I want to help. I want to work in sustainability. What do you recommend? So for what, what we do is, like I said, we work very similar to like an agency, uh, like a sports agent or a talent agent. So I work with a couple startup companies. So uh, I love to hear what people are doing. I like to hear startups. Uh, you know, we have a couple cool ones that we're working with now for facial uh, protection for kids playing sports, all the way up to material that you inject into grass that uh, rely, allows it to use 50% less water. Um, so I'm, I'm always interested. You can find me social media at Shane Keo. I'm pretty easy. I want to hear, I love hearing what people are doing. Uh, there's so many cool things that people are doing when it comes to technology uh, and bettering their, their lives for others. Uh, so uh, hit me up that way. But uh, in general, I always say like for people, they want to get involved, like pick one thing in your life and dominate it, whether hmm. it's getting rid of straws or a plastic water bottles or uh, recyclable uh, containers and things like that. Pick one thing 
and just nail that down. Because the problem with sustainability, it's it's all inclusive. It, everything has to be in line, but you have to start first and do one and finish it. Because if you do five things half-assed, it, it's because it's, now you're spending time and effort and money to do it, but not to the full capacity, so you're not yeah. getting the benefits. And then uh, do some research. You'd be surprised about recycling and the things that you're paying extra for uh, that aren't actually happening, or you can't guarantee that are happening. Um, uh, look at what the, the city of Manhattan Beach did. Uh, a group of mothers got together and made sure that they eliminated plastic straws from commercial use. Um, and that was just a group of moms who got together and started something. So uh, the consumer, the person has all the power as usual. Uh, they like to be told otherwise, but uh, we see everybody's <laughs> choices in the moment. Those little in incremental choices, the six inch choice between a recycling bin and not a recycling bin or or uh, a piece of fruit or a burger, they're, all, they're right there at people's disposal and at, to their choice. So, uh, you know, do some research. There's so much information available. Yeah. Don't let anyone tell you. Uh, there's so much available. I learned uh, the Internet's a great resource. Um, but again, well, reach back and I'm always happy to help. Speaking of uh, internet, and, and you mentioned social media earlier, um, you know, Real Housewives of Orange County premiered when it was like right the day Real Housewives of Orange County premiered was the first day Twitter was online, which is a weird yeah. fact. But it yeah. wasn't like huge, huge. But you kind yeah. of missed that onslaught of what it has turned into, at least in terms yep. of reality shows and that kind of there's a really huge positive wave, but also a really big negative wave or what you call trolls. I mean, do you, what is your opinion on social media? Do you, I mean, it, it's a great tool, I think, for things that you're doing, but do you have to get involved in it in any way because of your housewife past? I think, again, it's something is, is only as good as what you use it for. Um, you could talk hmm. about drugs or guns or uh, high caloric diets. I mean, I think Family Guy, there was a meme I saw with Stewie one time, and it, it was basically like saying like, oh, well, if this thing does this, then pencils get bad grades and forks make you fat. And, uh, you know, you can do whatever you want. Again, it's, it's, it's right there. So I think for me, the social media stuff, I was lucky that it didn't come right away and, and flood like you said. Um, but it's definitely gotten to a point where there's so much monetization in social media now that you have to work so hard to even keep yourself in, in front and center. Yeah. Um, and so it really rewards people that work hard and stuff. So it's always going to show the people that are putting the most effort in. And sometimes that's the negative people um, who still, every time I post a picture of my mother, they, they have to say some <laughs> comment about how I, I, I still am the worst, <laughs> worst son ever. And why even say something nice about her? Cause I'm a terrible person. And, uh, um, you know, I, at some, I, those used to bother me and I, I always wanted to, to say something back, but I, I've just realized that, um, your energy is way too valuable. And uh, if you're putting it into too many things, you're never going to be happy. And if you put it into the wrong things, you're definitely not going to be happy. So, um, I try to keep my energy and, and my focus on the positive things and only looking at the negative things as a reference point. So I don't forget. Yeah. Um, but again, I, I try to emphasize being good to my mother, but you know, she's my mother. She, she can still ruffle my feathers with the best of them. And, um, <laughs> no, that, but that's what I, I think. I, that's I why I love, 
I loved watching your guys' family because it reminded me of my family and how I deal with my it's mom real. and my sister. And you do, that's what I'm saying. Like you do get the sense. And I think sometimes the housewives have turned into a little bit of a different thing than what it started as where you can really, I think the, the viewers are sophisticated enough where they can sense when they're watching something real. Um, and I think that is what the excitement of those earlier seasons really kind of revolved around. Yeah. Um, but uh, wait, are you married now? Or are you in gay or are you with? No. Nope. Uh, no, nope. I'm a, Ladies. I'm a, I'm, <laughs> Ladies. no, yeah, well, it's been a little over like a year and a half now. Did you, um, um did, did you ever date a fan of the show? Uh, or like not. somebody that targeted you because you were on the show and dated them? <laughs> I mean, I've met plenty of people, uh, in my day and, um, you know, like I said, I think that was the great thing about the, the show is it, it gave me a lot of opportunities to see a lot of what life has to offer. And again, those aren't all good things. Um, but yeah. I, like I said, I, I'm super thankful because I got to experience things in a way that people may not get to experience till later in life. Um, I got to experience things earlier and I feel a little bit old soul like just because I feel like I've, I've been through the rigors of, yeah, you. By, by the way, early. you should do that. You should tr you should train kids of housewives uh, so they know how to uh, how to approach the show. Yeah, well, I mean, for me, I think people just forget when they see me on TV. They don't realize that I'm almost 35. I got a little gray in my chin beard, and I got <laughs> a bad knee, and you know, I I, I take a you know what is it um, you know glucosamine, so my joints start hurt. I mean, like. I'm I'm an adult like I'm I'm seasoned I've I've been through a lot uh, that people just maybe haven't seen um you know I Yeah, have, I got to say when I saw moments. you on Watch What Happens Live it was very interesting to hear you I mean it really I mean, you kind of are frozen in some kind of weird carbonite in terms of where you were frozen in that reality show moment. And it doesn't, uh, it is funny how viewers really kind of do, will think of that first. And then yeah. they'll hear you right here and be like, holy crap. Like that is like a completely, I mean, just, I, I would never, you know, we would like, oh, he's going to be in major league baseball one day and he's mm -hmm. perfect life and all that stuff. So it's very interesting to hear what, uh, like the, the journey of life will take you through. Yeah, I mean, uh, people don't realize the last day I played minor league baseball was July 3rd, 2010. Um, Did you know it was going to be your last day? Uh, no, and the, the funny thing is it's actually my dad's birthday. Um, oh, and wow. so time I technically was released, it, we had finished a, a, an away game, I think like in San Jose, I believe. I was playing in Stockton, so we were only about an hour and a half away. So I got released technically on July 4th in our locker room. Um, and was back in Newport Beach with my friends, uh, <laughs> grieving that uh, for the fourth. So I drove back later wow. that night uh, after I kind of gathered myself. But yeah, I mean, it's it <laughs> cold world. Uh, I mean, it's it's you know, you get released. The equipment guy comes right to your locker and has <sighs> you sign out all your gear, and the next guy's coming, and you know, so you got to get your apartment cleared out, and you're it. There's there's no emotions involved, um, no Fs Damn. to give. So you gotta, you gotta adjust. And like I said, for me, it was, I'm 24 years old, was drafted out of high school. I have no formal education. I got terrible grades in high school. What the F? Yeah. <laughs> and, so, like, and you've already been through a whole, uh, a whole career by the yeah, age of 24. And I, well, and that was the thing too. It's like, okay, most people at 24 are, you know, a year or two out of college, you know, maybe they've done a few internships. This is, they just got their first job. It's like, I had a four-year career in minor league baseball. Before that, I was on a, one of the biggest reality shows of all time. Before that, I 
My mom was a Playboy playmate. My dad was a professional baseball baseball player. I grew up in Japan. So it was like at 24 years old, it's like I got kicked right in the nuts. And it was like, okay, you still have three quarters of a life to live. <laughs> I know, geez. And I that freedom of choice was, was overwhelming because yeah. I knew in my soul, like I could go back to baseball. I could go to college and get a degree. I could... I went into the inter space, entertainment space. Like I said, I was modeling and acting. And at one point I walked into a room, I said, oh, I'm not the only six foot three white guy with brown hair. Oh, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I should probably yeah. find, <laughs> should probably find myself a more valuable role um, where it doesn't depend on my body, hopefully not breaking down, which my body has not proven to do that. So yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I mean, at 24, what was that when you get cut? Is that a conversation you have on the drive home with yourself of, I think this is it? Or is it like, well, let's see if I can get on another minor league? I mean, what I mean, is that the conversation that goes through a uh, an athlete's mind? I think for me, it was it's both. You know, you're pissed. You want to say you're never doing it again. Screw that. I'll show them. I'm going Because go you're a competitor, right? You yeah, are an insane dude. competitor. Yeah. And then for me at the same time, it's this is what my family does. Like I was the fourth generation. Like it's, it's, it's yeah. like a weird sports royalty gig, like hundred years in the game and you were supposed to be the top and you were supposed to make it and yeah. you didn't even get halfway there. Um, so it's like, you're dealing with all those things on top of the, the, the still historical, uh, you know, things of the show um, lingering around. And then, you know, now you got to make an adjustment. And so people would see me, uh, you know, I worked in Newport beach, leasing yachts for a while. when I first got done, just trying to just gather myself, get some experience, taking some online classes. Um, and so people would see me and they'd be like, wait a second. Like, I thought you were 17 years old and playing baseball. It's like, <laughs> Nope, I'm 25 years old. I just had knee surgery and uh, <laughs> I'm going to help you. <laughs> You know, so I, people saw how quickly life changed when they met me and then it yeah. was like, oh, okay. But then it was just a great icebreaker because it was always like, wait a second, aren't you that guy? Wait, okay. I thought you were an asshole. Well, let's yeah, well, by that. the way, then you become, <laughs> you become the most interesting man alive. Then. You know, you become me. I was the minor league baseball. I was a reality show. I mean, then it really, you're selling yachts at a certain point. I mean, that's yeah. wild. Um, yeah. So it, it was, it was always funny because I felt like I was, I was almost harmless because it wasn't just women who would know me the the husbands and boyfriends did too because they had their sorry ass had to watch the show with their girl <laughs> and so they knew who i was they knew that i was just yeah. like some schmuck they're like oh okay i'm not worried about this guy he's not brad pitt or anything so I, it was like the this weird harmless factor um as we start wrapping up, I just a couple more questions about like if, if your mom came to you and said, "Hey, they've asked me to come back on the show. What um, you know? What do you think? Should I do it? What would you say?" For her, I think right now, why not? Um, I, I don't think the the situation's right. I think they're moving in different directions, but I think people are are kind of thirsty for that real that she is, and I think there is a curiosity of kind of what she's been doing, how she's handled all this, and. Uh, I think I would support it. Obviously the, the contracts would have to be right. And I would have to, to feel like she had some saying how things went, but, um, you know, she's in a, a good spot. She's, um, she's, she's in a safe, uh, great space down Orange County and, uh, my brother is around the area. So I think it'd be fun. I think yeah. she's going to be out this way in Florida visiting us more often. So would you um, do a reality show ever? I think I would. Again, I think everything is, is, is possible. And I think, 
I will, we're probably going to have some kind of documentary style things that we're doing for work about the, oh, the impacts we're making. But again, like a, a actual reality show, I'm not sure. I, like I said, I creating content and, and giving people information via some kind of video medium for sure. I don't know if it's a reality show. Uh, I just don't think I'm, I'm not that interesting in the, uh, the kind of the microwaves, which are a, a 15 minute <laughs> viewing window. So <laughs> yeah, I'm a little yeah. bit longer, I'm a little more longer winded. So my stories take a long time to develop. So I don't, I, I'm more like a six part series or something. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> hey, you're an HBO limited series. That's yeah, fine. there yeah, we yeah. go. Yeah. HBO. Perfect. Um, you really get into it. And it seems like uh, from your Instagram and from all is that your family is a very, I could be mistaken, a very tight unit, especially after all the the tragedy of these past couple of years with your dad and your sister and stuff. Is that is that correct? You guys, does it seem like these kind of experiences have bonded you closer? Certainly. I mean, we've always been close. Uh, I just think there is so much appreciation going around now because we've all, we've had something that everybody can understand finally. Yeah. Um, and I think people before, you know, there wasn't a lot of uh, credit to kind of the struggle of things. And I think these are something tangible that people can look at and, um, you know, show perspective. So uh, work always been close. But yeah, I mean, being here, I didn't move here on purpose. I came to visit last year and COVID hit and uh, we lost McCoy. And then my father was the next month. And um, I don't know what it would take to get me back to California now. So uh, my mom's here pretty often. Um, we try to go back there when we can. So yeah, we've always been close, but it definitely, again, it could have torn us all apart, but it's definitely made us all closer for sure. Well, I love that. And then um, the, the final question, and I have to uh, answer, uh, ask this because, you know, and they asked you this on Watch What Happens Live. Mm-hmm. Did you hook up with Joe? No, no. I actually just saw Joe's uh, Instagram stuff about reactions with her and her guys. So, uh, no, we've all we've always been uh, we've always been close. Her and my mom have always been close. Uh, I think it would have just made things long term awkward. So we've always is there always is there any way that. that you could say you did just for the podcast? <laughs> just, just light up a huge fire. Is there any? Yeah, come on, man. No, we can get we can no. sustainability. We'll do this. Yeah, yeah. yeah sustainability <laughs> and drama. That's what we need. No, um, no. Joe's uh, Joe's good people. I'm, I'm I'm happy to see that she's happy and doing well. And uh, uh, no, but we've uh, we've always been good friends. Well, dude, you uh, really inspired me today, and I know you're going to inspire a lot of listeners. Uh, you really, I really want you to. Uh, I you got to get into life coaching. I really think you can get people's heads straight. Like you really uh, just seem like you know what you're doing and how life works, or at least you're able to 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 follow the the tumbles of life and come out on the other side really successful. But I'm going to give you guys all of Shane Keo's information so you can support him on Instagram and and keep uh, keep following his journey. But is there anything else that we can do besides that? No, I, like I said, I think you, you got a great platform here. I'm, I'm excited to be a part of it. And I think your listeners uh, really dig deep to to learn about some of the people that you've, you've, uh, you've brought on and they've probably seen them a million times. So uh, hopefully we gave them a little bit uh, different perspective, but no, I'm, uh, I'm excited. And if, like I said, if you guys need anything, I'm, I'm always here. Awesome. Thank you so much, Shane. No problem, Ryan. Thanks a lot, guys. Shane Keogh, ladies and gentlemen, um, I'm going to do something to end this show that I haven't done. I, I did it a couple weeks ago and I used to do it all the time, but I figure why not? This is kind of a a hodgepodge of a show, but wait, wasn't Shane impressive? Like I wanted to talk to that guy more. Um, I, I thought it would just be kind of like a, a quick thing. And then I got really kind of, 
I, now I've got like tons more questions I want to, and I, I went back and watched all these episodes. So hopefully he'll come on again because now I've got like specific questions and he is going to be my life coach. So, <laughs> um, I'm going to do a, so sad. It's good. You guys know, I love sad music. Sometimes I just love to bum out, you know, but you got to be careful with bumming out. You can only play a couple of sad songs. Uh, until you're just in risk of like shooting a whole day down by just being sad the entire time. So uh, I'm going to play a sad song to, or something that I found sad uh, for God, nearly two decades. Now you guys know, I love a band called counting crows Uh, lead singer, Adam Duritz. They just put out an EP uh, about a month or two ago called um, uh, butter miracle sweet one. And it's only four songs, but I think it's really good. But you know, when you love a band, you kind of have no perspective. And I grew up with this band. So they're actually going on tour and I'm going to go see them in September. I'm so excited. They're actually playing a festival. Who knows? Hopefully that actually, uh, go, but I, I wouldn't mind seeing a couple shows. God, can you imagine? I just follow around counting crows like the grateful dead. Um, (laughs) so, uh, this song is called Anna begins. It's off their first album. Um, which is uh, August and Everything After, huge album. But this is from VH1 Storytellers. Uh, so it's an unplugged acoustic set. But I thought this is interesting. I found this clip on YouTube. It sounds a little shitty until it gets to the song, but I'll try to clean up the audio a little bit. But he kind of explains what Anna begins. What I love about songs, though, is that you can listen to the lyrics and you relate them to your life. So that's why I think sometimes these songs get even sadder for people because it kind of fits. You're like, oh, no, that fits this that fits this one relationship of mine and it, you know that it makes way more sense if it's actually about you know this person from high school or you know what i'm saying but uh he explains what it means to him and i thought this was fascinating and i always think it kind of adds that other like kick to a song but uh this is a uh an acoustic version of the counting crows song anna begins you guys i will talk to you on wednesday there was this period where i got really really sick of playing music and i uh I saved up some money from landscaping and I, I bought a backpack and some, some boots and me and a friend got tickets and went over to Europe just to backpack around Europe. It was like the summer of 1989. I ended up on this Greek island and I met this girl named Anna and uh, I, I, I completely fell in love with her and, and I think vice versa, which is a, a dumb thing to do in the middle of the summer on a Greek island because the girl's from Australia and you're from California. and the last thing you should have a fling you know that the last thing you need to do is fall in love with a girl from Australia because you've got you don't have years you have weeks you know and then everyone goes home and you know we were kids and the plane tickets are too expensive you can't change these things you know and uh, it was just really difficult because nobody wants to really cop to how important they feel about it because it just it's a it's a it's a, it's a hole that you're going to fall into you know, and so the the song is really about um, denial. You know, the the characters in the song keep saying to each other, "No, you know, I'm not ready for this sort of thing." In, until the very end, when when it's too late, and they realize that what they really weren't ready for is the loss. And uh, it's a terrible thing to find out because it's it's uh, it's too late, which is which is what it ended up being at that point. And it's it's. Uh, it's funny. She's she's married now, and uh, she's got a kid, and she's she still lives in Sydney, and we still talk every once in a while. Not, not too much, but uh, and whenever I talk to her, she still tells me that she loves this song, and I, I do too. That this is a uh, this is Anna begins.
Batches.